Welcome to our podcast. This is El Buen Pastor United Methodist Church in Santa Paula, and I am your host, Pastor Lupita. Today we have a, a wonderful program, and we hope that you will stay with us. We will talk about serving the least. We'll be right back. Welcome back. As I said at the beginning today, we are talking about serving the least. I believe that this is a responsibility for all of us who are people of faith. So what I want to do before we talk about the issue is to share with you some scripture. Let's listen to Matthew 25, starting verse 34. Pay attention. The Word of God for the people of God. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is the word of God for the people of God. So we heard scripture and we hear the the instructions that Jesus has given to the crowd. Now, I do want to say something that I truly believe. I don't think that when Jesus was talking about the least or when we talk about the least, we are imposing some kind of hierarchy among people. I don't think talking about the least means that the people that Jesus was addressing or talking about were less or worth less. For me, when we are talking about the least, we are talking about those people that are most important around us. The least are the ones that Jesus came to serve. They are very important. 
in the eyes of God. And they should be very important to us as well. So, as I said, when he was telling us about addressing the people, he was reminding us of our responsibility. I believe that if we are truly people of faith, we need to listen to these words very carefully because we have a responsibility towards them. Jesus wanted to make sure that the people that were listening to him understood that we needed to respond and to serve those who were crying for help. In those days, just as today, there were many people that were in poverty, many people who were destituted, many people who were in need of acceptance, of care, of means to provide for their families. Those people came to Jesus and Jesus always responded to them. He was a role model for those of us who want to be part of the kingdom. Now, there are a lot of those people around us. Among those people are the homeless. The homeless are very important. See, not every homeless is uh, homeless by choice, even though they are some. But they are in need. And some people around our communities have decided to help them and serve them by doing different things that I believe are very important. For example, some of them have opened their homes to provide shelter for families who are in need. Others have decided to support as volunteers serving in a soup kitchen or maybe in a pantry or maybe delivering food in the community. Others have decided to open their parking lots to provide safe sleep for those who do not have shelter. Our church for a couple of years, not many, but for a couple of years have been providing a program or hosting a program called One Stop. And One Stop is a program that has been sponsored or or that we do in partnership with Spirit of Santa Paula and the Ventura County. 
What One Stop, what we do at One Stop is to provide services, especially for those who do not have shelter. Every week on Friday morning, we provide people with showers. Those who do not have the luxury of having a place to bathe, to shower during the weekend come on Fridays and they are given uh, clean clothes so that when they go into the uh, shower, they can, you know, have a new, um, not a new, but a, a clean uh, clothing to cover themselves after they have uh, cleansed themselves. The volunteers provide them with toiletries as they need. Sometimes we have someone who is there to cut their hair or to trim the beard, you know, for our male um, people that come in. And we have volunteers who provide them with uh, food. The county also comes in with a mobile clinic that is able to check on them. We have a nurse practitioner there and, and a nurse that will either, you know, follow them on things like taking their blood pressure and making sure that they have their medication or, you know, giving them whatever they might need in, in terms of medical. They also get shots Uh, TV shots for those that need to go into the shelters. But this is uh, one of the things that we do. We also have, and you will learn more about this later on, but we also have other services that the county provides for them. And we want to continue doing the one stop at our church. And even though the crisis around us, the health crisis is kind of, Uh, making us be more strict on the rules, you know, on how we come in and how we serve them. This program has become very important for us and for those that volunteer to serve the least. There's many people that come in to the One Stop from every sorts of, uh, of life with so many stories, and you'll hear some um, in other uh, podcasts that we will have. Today, we want to share with you another of those programs that we have for the least in our community. It's run what by one of my very good friends who has become a hero to me. She works diligently to serve the homeless. She has done this uh, work for so many years now. And she is very animate in making sure that the homeless are served. I want to introduce her to you and I want you to hear what she does at this special place, our own shelter, a shelter that is here in our community 
and that is right now very active in serving people who need a place to stay. I have invited her to be in this phone interview and I want you to pay attention to what she has to share with us today. So we'll invite her now. I have with me on the phone my good friend Kay Wilson. She's a chaplain and she's one of my heroes. Uh, she works uh, very diligently um, trying to help the homeless in our community. And today I invited her to be part of this podcast. So welcome, Kay. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, Pastor. It's always nice to be um, in the same space with you, even though we're not together, right? Right. This is a time when, you know, we... We have to do things in a different way, but uh, I think it's also an opportunity that, for us. And God has, I, I really believe that God is giving us, um, n forcing us to think uh, out of the box, right? Right, and I think he's giving us an opportunity to discover him if we haven't already. Certainly to rediscover him and all his benefits because we are not you know, prone to sit down and think um, quietly or just to um, contemplate very much. And proof of that is that the Auto Club is giving two months premium back to their um, insureds because they're not on the road going somewhere. Yeah. So it's a real testimony to the value of staying home. That's right. Well, I wanted um, to have you on our podcast because we're talking about uh, the homeless Uh, people that are around us and uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit of what you do especially within the shelter so tell us a little bit about this shelter that we have in Santa Paula the shelter uh, is obviously designed for people who are quote homeless and it has taken on a whole new meaning during this time we've had a total of 19 children And with their parents, of course, and uh, we work first with those who have children to get them into a more appropriate housing setting uh, because shelters are just not the best places for children. Even though I'm hearing back from some of the parents that their children really miss being at the shelter because there was a lot of adult um interaction, um, affection. We have the most amazing food supply and good food at the shelter. And so we have them moving on into motel rooms or more supportive housing. And, um, you know, the struggle with the COVID environment is to keep them in the shelter. And I've told them that when this is over, they're either going to love me because they're healthy and they didn't succumb to this virus or they're going to hate me because of the rules that I've imposed upon them. And frankly, I don't care which it is because <laughs> I want them to come through this healthy. And the real challenge is to keep them in the shelter. 
yes. uh, during the day because homeless people are used to wandering around town and recycling and going to dumpsters and visiting with their colleagues and they don't want to stay at the shelter and we only allow them to leave for 30 minutes trying to impose the restrictions that the county health officer has imposed. That's been a challenge. I've had to expel 12 because they will not comply and I cannot risk the others just to satisfy those who feel like they want to live like the Lone Ranger and live the way we all they always have because none of us is doing that right now. Wow. None of us is living the way we were, so it requires adjustment from everyone. And what kind of precautions are being taken so that you can protect the volunteers and, and protect the, the people that are in the shelter? There are several that we've initiated. Uh, one is that we take everyone's temperature morning and evening. We require them to wash their hands the minute they come into the building. And we have a new um, um, self-activating hand-washing sink with warm water, uh, soap, and towels right at the entrance. Mm -hmm. um, a nice company actually wrote us a check for $1,000 to cover the cost of that. Mm -hmm. We have a containment pod that's stationed outside the building that would house four people who need to be quarantined. We have stopped all visitors from coming into the shelter. Wow. We have um, stopped people coming in for the drop-in center services, which is challenging because they rely on us for food. Uh, so what we're doing is providing sandwiches and a drink of some kind at the front door, not allowing them to come in. We have um, stationed a portable restroom and hazmat washing sink outside the building. It's very expensive. It's costing about $550 a month. But the Presbyterian Church um, um, Presbytery has allocated $2,500 for us to actually buy our own portable restroom with handicapped access. Wow. Um, so so there's no excuse. They get food, they get to use the restroom, and we've tried to provide anything that keeps people out of the building, but still serving them. And it's a challenge to do that because they're used to coming in and sitting down, using the restroom, washing hands, and chatting with everybody. And all that's changed. But all of everything has changed. And the best thing we did was put a TV in the shelter yeah. And I'd resist doing that because you can have lots of arguments in a small space with people who want to channel surf or want to watch NCIS or some monster movie. And arguments ensue. But when it was two weeks ago, I think last Friday, that we put the TV in so that they could hear the news for themselves. And that did a lot to change the thinking and the environment so that they were hearing what the rest of the world was hearing about how dangerous this is. So a lot of safeguards. Um, we've limited volunteers from coming in. We sort of narrowed our volunteer inside base and tried to expand the volunteer outside base, which is driving trucks, picking up food, setting up pantries, um, and doing the things we do along the food line. So that was a long answer to your question, but I wanted to try to get everything in to show how much we have changed 
and how we're trying to adapt to this new lifestyle. I heard uh, or I read that some volunteers moved into the shelter in order to protect the people that are there and their own families. That's correct. And we talk about personal sacrifice. Um, Michael and Bessie are staff members and they are nighttime supervisors. And they decided on their own to actually move in so that they were not leaving the shelter and then going home. One lives with a grandmother and his mother, and he just felt like he needed to protect them. So, I mean, that's a great sacrifice. There's words to even properly describe that sacrifice for this period of time. Yeah. But God knows, and certainly we commend them for that. Yeah. Um, what about the children? Are, are the children complying with the rules? How, how difficult is it to have children in the shelter? And especially because they're, um, you know, they're interacting with other adults, uh, you know, and things like that. So. Well, ironically, I mean, it's, it's not what you think it would be. There is so much affection and so much attention given to them. And, of course, it was better when they were in school because they had that distraction. Then they had homework, and then they had, um, you know, activities after school, and then would come to the shelter around dinner time. But now that all the children have been moved out, we're not dealing with that. But when they were there, you know, we read to them at night. I'd say prayers with them before they go to sleep. And, um, I don't know, I really miss having them around. And so it was not an uncomfortable thing. And, and many of our homeless people are parents and mm -hmm. our grandparents. And they enjoyed having the kids around. It was like a little bit of um, family life for them, too, so mm -hmm. that they could hear the chatter of little voices. And, you know, the typical discipline problems, I don't want to go to bed, yes. I don't want to brush my teeth. But I don't know, it's... it's I don't know how other shelters are run internally, but ours is very much like a family operation. I tend to be the hard, disciplined person <laughs> so that my staff can have a relationship with them during the day, and I step in when necessary. And like I said, we've expelled um, many people because they will not comply, and I have to keep people safe there, yes. and safe from a health standpoint and from... Um, just behavior. If I feel like somebody's not high on drugs um, and they pose a danger, they're out and they don't come back. Mm -hmm. They have a couple of chances with us and we give a lot of grace until we feel like the grace period has expired. And it's a choice they make. So I say you've disqualified yourself from staying here rather than me saying I'm disqualifying you. Mm -hmm. It's on them. And isn't that true of our whole lives? Yes. You know, if we don't behave, we don't follow the rules, we don't put the seatbelt on, we don't obey traffic rules, there are just consequences for that. And it doesn't stop when you live in a homeless shelter. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still have, you don't have any more children. Where did they go? They all have gone into other living situations that are, okay. uh, I would say, higher on the scale. Some have gone to motels, and so that they're with their parents. The problem with that is that they are totally isolated. 
And if the county is supplying funds for that, they have to stay in their room. And uh, that's hard on a family. Well, at least the shelter, you know, we've got a big space. They could wander around, go outside. And um, it's not true of the motel situation, mm -hmm. but it is safer, um, probably better, although we miss the interaction with everybody. But, yeah. um, and two, see a mother and adult daughter are going into their apartment this week. We've worked very hard with one social services agency to get them housed. We've had um, one go into hospice, which was a good thing, but obviously he is at the end of his life, but mm -hmm. he's out of the shelter. Uh, we've had two adults go into apartments, and we've had, I don't know, five or six families go into motels. Right. So we want them through the shelter into more supportive services as soon as we can. Right. And we've had some success. I have two case managers that work on that, and we utilize all the services that are available throughout the county. And um, um, we're not missing anything to afford our people the same opportunity everyone else is getting. And so when they come in as being part of the shelter, they do understand that they're not staying there, you know, forever, that they do have, you know, to uh, look for ways to get out of homelessness, right? Uh, yes and no. Um, we have some who absolutely don't even want to participate in the process. Wow. And if they don't participate in the process, I would rather they be homeless in my shelter than homeless out on the streets of Santa Paula. Yeah. So that's kind of a bridge I've had to cross myself. And that's what homeless shelters are. Clearly, there are people who do not want to be there, and there are some who have worked, were working in um, jobs that are not considered essential, and so I've had to tell them, you need to make a choice. You can either go to work and go live somewhere else, or you can wait for a better day to go back to work, and you stay in the shelter. And so it's been hard for them because they don't want to be in there all the time. It's boring. Um, yeah. But so they are made aware that we'll help them. And we're, we've got two that we're really trying to help who live at the tracks. Um, until they give up drugs, though, there's not going to be a place for them. Yeah. Because they don't have the money and they have to work a program. It's a very complicated um, scenario when you find someone who begs for shelter. But yet they can't give up the drugs, they won't stay off the street, and they won't do what they're supposed to do. And the real problem is the dark cell phone. They lose their phone regularly. And so they lose that phone number that social services was using to contact them. Uh -huh. So we have a phone at the shelter now where they can all use um, to call out and to receive messages. And that's its own set of problems. But it's better than no contact at all, of course. Great. Um, before we leave, I do want uh, you to tell us uh, what would be, I don't know, five ways that we can help um, you and the ministry that you are, uh, that you have in the shelter. Five things uh, that we can do. The first one is you just have to pray for us. Um, this is very hard work. And if anybody had told me 
what it would be like. I don't know that I would have done it, quite honestly, because I would have felt at the time not equipped. Um, send, pray for God to send helpers. Um, our food pantry needs helpers. I need truck drivers. Um, right now, I'm just not letting anybody into the shelter. So first is prayer. Second is helpers. Third, we really need financial support. And um, we're getting some from the county, but we do not have enough funding to keep it going in my current vision. So when God moves, there will be funds um, for the future. Uh, the fourth one would be for, let's see, um, we have a lot of food supplies. So um, it, I think if somebody could give us a, a sustaining amount each month, like $50 a month, 500 a month, we could then plan better for how to help people. And the fifth one, um, I'm not sure. Those top four come to mind quickly. And um, Clothing. One, I'll let you know. Clo clothing or things like that, diapers, I don't know, things with, with those. Yeah, we help? have a lot of clothing. And right now, because we're kind of closing our doors to our even, like our pantry, we don't let people shop anymore. We give them a bag and they have to go. So we used to lay out clothes, jackets, you know, pants and shirts, so that they could select things for their family. But we're not doing that right now. So our supply is really pretty full. Okay. And you can't even give them now, I guess, to Goodwill or some other um, nonprofit because the, just the doors are closed. Yes. And, uh, right now, we probably have as much as we need. And where do they send financial support? Uh, two ways. One, to our field box. It would be Spirit of Santa Paula, Post Office Box 728. And that's Santa Paula, zip code for Post Office Box with 93061. You can donate on our website, which is secure, but it takes us a month to actually get that funding. Wow. So a direct mailing is preferred. But people like to give online. You can set up a recurring donation. Okay. And um, we would love to have people's email address. So if they could just text me a name with an email, they'll get their, our weekly newsletter, and they can stay current then on all of our activities. Great. Well, I, I really want to thank you for, for this um, interview. I think we're, you know, we're just want to uh, be part of the help that we can. This is a time when we are focusing more on how we can help, how we can share. And I think that people need to understand, you know, that they do, even though they're secluded in their homes, they do have a way to help others, especially those that do not have shelter, right? Yeah, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, for Santa Paula to actually have our own homeless shelter, it's almost unheard of. Yes. Um, the city's been very supportive, and uh, we've decided to go year-round now, which uh, we were only going to be open like four months before, but we are year-round. city's very supportive of that. Having moved away from the center of town has been helpful. But we've got, you know, five or six who are just on doing things their own way. And they're starting to hang out 
around businesses away from downtown, which is creating a problem. But I so appreciate the business community for calling me, calling on me to help because I go where they are and help them move on. The police department is doing the best they can to keep them moving on. But, you know, until people want to give us that drug lifestyle, there's just not a lot we can do except pray for them. So I know you'll put them on your prayer list too because God can change their hearts and minds. And he can help them kick the drug habit, which will lead them into the kind of life God designed for all of us. You, you have a doctor, right, that uh, helps you uh, with the, the people that need some kind of a advice or medical or mental illness advice? Well, yeah, we're very connected to behavioral health, and we help a lot of homeless people or already have case managers. Um, on Friday, one stop, they can go to El Buen Pepsford Church at 102090 Santa Paula Street, see a medical um, service provider, they can get their PD shot, which they need to have in the shelter. Mm-hmm. They can take a shower. Oh, the other thing we have now, I forgot to mention, is we have showers of our own and laundry facilities at the shelter. Mm-hmm. And that's making a big difference in how people feel. If they yes. have to go five days without a shower, they just start getting cranky. But they can get one every day yes. now. And they can do their own laundry during the week. We've had to limit that service to our shelter people so that we're not inundated mm-hmm. with people who want um, showers and then do strange things in the shower. <laughs> um, but our people can get services every Friday, and we help them with laundry um, if they have a one-stop homeless management services ID card. They Great. can go to the laundry at 1183 East Main Street, 730 to 8 o'clock on Friday morning. And we'll put the quarters in the machine so they can do laundry, putting clean clothes on after their shower at one stop. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kay, for um, being with us today. And we are hoping that everyone that is listening will be able to contact you and and give you more support because I know you need it. I know you need more support. We do. But prayer first. Always. Yes, always prayer. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank okay, you. Thank you, too, Pastor. Bye for now. That was our friend Kay Wilson from Spirit of Santa Paula, who is in charge of the uh, Santa Paula shelter. We are very, very proud of having her as a partner as we serve the least, the ones that are most important in our communities. Well, this is our show for today, our program for today. And I just wanted to thank you for listening and invite you to come back. We are looking forward for the next topics that we're going to be addressing through this uh, venue. We are very grateful to Encore FM for giving us the opportunity to do this. And we want to also remind you that we are seeking sponsors for this podcast. So if you are interested, please give us a call so we can uh, talk about 
how you can sponsor us. And we're also inviting you to check our website, elbuenpastorumc.org, for more information. I also want to remind you what Kay say, they need a lot of support. The shelter does need uh, your financial support. And she gave us a list of, of five things, four things actually, that she wanted us to work on. Most of all, prayer, of course, volunteers, especially for the pantry and, and the <clears throat> trucks, um, truck drivers to, to pick up food and things like that. And also that if you are interested in becoming one of their, um, I'm going to say sponsors that will commit to a sustained amount to keep them running, that would be very awesome. And you can contact uh, Kay Wilson uh, through Spirit of Santa Paula. I, she mentioned the, um, the address and I, I just, you know, I, I don't have words, enough words to tell you how important this work is in our community. I am, as I said, I am blessed because we are surrounded by people who have responded to this call from Jesus. <clears throat> and we continue to encourage you to seek ways, new ways of helping others. As scripture says, one day we will be asked to come forward and, and tell, say, what have we done? Until next time, we wish you the best. Remember, stay home, stay safe, wash your hands frequently, and above all, stay close to your faith and be an active follower of our Lord. Until next time, your host, Pastor Lupita, wishing you the best.